and this is the Mini PC Show Big Talk Little Machines, and this is episode 125, and brought to you by Russell Wheelwright. Thank you, Russell, for supporting us. Hey, Dor, how the heck are you? Absolutely. Uh, I'll say this, long story short, I'm definitely getting better. Um, I'm afraid how long it's going to take for me to get to 100% when it comes to this uh, left arm thing, but it could be worse. Could have been my right arm, could have been a leg, but you know, so all that said, um, trying to do good at work uh wife keeps getting raises promotions new jobs so now i feel like wow. i can't expect her to come home and do a whole lot of housework stuff considering she's the breadwinner okay cool beans cool beans um so yeah i mean uh look if i a lot of people have stress over money certainly money doesn't buy you happiness but lack of money can always lead to sadness in distress. Absolutely. Um, and I always said, I said when I was very young, and I'm sure people thought I was kidding. Um, you have to have a brain in order to be Miss McLaughlin kind of thing, because that was my goal in life. I wanted, to marry, I wanted to marry somebody smarter than me, not somebody I sit there the whole time, like face palming, shaking my head at kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and I said, she's perfect in every way, except her judgment and guides. Ouch, ouch, man. Ouch. I know, but I digress. Um, I will say, um, I'm going to tell you right now, the clock is ticking. Uh, Raspberry Pi 5 has to come out here really soon. If not, well, we actually have to first have a update to the Zero, because the Zero is now woefully outdated compared mm -hmm. to even mm -hmm. stuff like the Redaxa Rocks Pi, where you can get, I want to say it was 128 gigs of storage on board, and, and it was 4 gigs of RAM, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, everything else, and where the Raspberry Pi Zero is just acclimated. It, it's literally now something you'd like shake your head at if you were from the southern part of the U.S. and just say, bless its heart. What, which one was that there? Can't hear you. This is a Zero without the Wi-Fi. So I have a USB hub soldered to it. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I got a... Somewhere I got a stack of Pi Zero Wi-Fi. A uh, bunch of them, because I, I did a contract at St. Louis, and there was a micro center down the road. So every day, I just walk in and you know buy one or two. You know, I could go there for lunch, go there after work. Yeah, if I had one physically close to me, I'm sure I would have less money in my bank account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there used to be a micro center in Palm Beach, but I, probably ten years ago that closed up. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Brett, our RV loving home automation guy, our RV automation guy is going to try to connect them. Um, I will give you like one quick update with him, and that is he is like the essence of entrepreneurship to where he wants to do what he wants to do, and he has enough like passion to do anything. Uh, he was diagnosed with narcolepsy, and I want to say one other thing, which means he's always sleepy, he's always tired, he doesn't get good restful, restful sleep. So at least he has a diagnosis now, and literally mm -hmm. days after that, an RV dealership who saw what he can do with automation ordered 10 equipped RVs from him. So now he's like on a deadline and he has to get this stuff done using home assistant, completely off the grid solution that can be on the grid kind of thing to where you can automate mm -hmm. all kinds of things. So he is extremely happy about that, but it comes with pressure. So he's, he's trying to do his best. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw him mention that. I haven't, you know, talked to him about it. So that that's cool. That is very cool. My buddy, uh, Hank Strange, has a YouTube channel, Stranger Palooza, and he just got a Class 2 uh, van, and he's been all over the country with that thing. So he's he's doing a lot of content on, you know, van life type stuff. Yeah, so this is, this is definitely the time of the century 
to be into RVs. Um, with all the you know pandemic and stuff going on, it is the perfect way to travel because you're always with you and your kind and your element, and you can go anywhere that you want to go, and you have a lot of the amenities of home. With so. Uh, the balance sheet is kind of my issue on that. My my wife's so I'm not even sure what a class two. I I never even asked Hank what what his van cost, but I'm guessing it was probably in the area of a hundred grand or more. So the question is, with a hundred grand, how many great hotels could you stay at? Now the the reason you get a van is not to stay at a hotel. It's like staying on the North Ridge of the Grand Canyon and waking up in the morning and looking out. That's that's why you get an RV is to go where there aren't hotels. So you, you can make that justification. If you say, hey, I'm not staying in a hotel, that's a different story. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. Uh, my wife wholeheartedly admits to me she never wants to be in an RV because that insinuates that you're going to like cook your own meals and stuff. No, 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 no. I'm on vacation uh-huh. so other people can cook. I'm, I'm on vacation so other people can do the dishes, so other people can make the beds kind of thing. And to be honest, I when she said that, I like stopped and thought, yeah, I don't want to do housework when I'm not at home. Yeah, and and then there's the other part that's not housework. Uh, you got to empty the uh, dirty water tanks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pass. Um, but hey, to each their own. Uh, the best thing about you know this time we live in is everyone can make their own choices. Have fun with it. Um, Indeed. And I will say, Brett did order a pine sole, a pine. Um, soldering iron, soldering iron, and it hasn't came in yet, and he wasn't aware. And I don't know how aware you are, Rich, of this, but yeah, oh yeah, it seems like the boats um, coming in and back and forth from Hong Kong are just gone, kind of thing. Um, they're just sitting there waiting to be unloaded. Supposedly now it's like in the third week where they're having issues finding longshoremen on both sides of the ocean to unload boats. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a chips sh- shortage. Consumerism is exploding. We're buying more than ever. Something's got to give. So it seems like now overseas shipping uh, needs something, or or else it's going to just keep getting worse. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sick of all this stuff. I'm ready to move on. I have to agree. Um, I will say, um, in the uh, single board computing mini PC world, um, we are seeing a lot of different types of boards coming out. I'll say a lot of them aren't catching my eye because they're either extremely expensive, small form factor computers that are really incredibly powerful, far too powerful for anything I can throw at it. Uh, or we're seeing a lot of like a uh, uh, penny add-ons to Raspberry Pi compute modules or Pico boards to mm-hmm. give it a little bit more functionality. Uh, to me, they're like, you know, hitting the most extreme use cases where I think I'm finding myself more in the middle every day. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm i not sure. I, I got two topics, two personal topics to discuss. Um, one is, yeah, you can't quite see it. I'm in front of it. But my upsquared board is now dedicated. I'm running Ubuntu 20.04 server headless with uh, Plex on it. For whatever reason, my uh, Odroid N2 and Odroid XU4 have not been able to do Plex in a long time. And whatever the heck happened, I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm like, I just bit the bullet. I'm like, let me see if it works here. It works. I'm good. I had the device, wasn't using it for anything, you know, realistic, need, needful. It, I hate to sound like an Indian recruiter. Do the needful. Um, 
but I, I wasn't doing anything very useful. And uh, I was like, all right, let, let me make that a Plex server. So that's going good. I, I also dug out another, I, I kind of bought this on a whim a couple of years ago and just, I think I threw Ubuntu on it and didn't do anything with it. So this is um, the Rock Pi 10. So this is an Intel, I think it's an Atom quad core or something like that. So I'm kind of grabbed all of my uh, my Atomic Pi and my original up board, been looking at them like, all right, what can I do with them? They, they haven't been doing anything. Let me purpose them for something. So I've been kind of thinking in that, that area. But uh, the bigger news, I, I didn't talk last time about uh, Frigate NVR, did I? Don't believe so. Okie doke. So I am super, super, super excited because something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. Um, where is it? Here it is. So again, along with stuff I bought a year or two ago and didn't do anything with, I bought one of these. So that's a, for people that aren't watching the video, this is an HDMI to USB adapter. And basically you, you can find the device on a Linux machine. It'll act like a webcam. And uh, so originally what I wanted to do was to use that to capture the video output from my NVR. So I have an eight camera um, analog security system and it goes into this box, the box, and for whatever reason, it's not a DVR uh, in the security world. It's called an NVR. Yeah, let's say it's uninitiated. What does NVR stand for? Good good question. Thank you. Uh, Network video recorder. Uh, because DVR, uh, what DVR is digital video recorder. So for whatever reason, I needed to swap the D and the N out, I guess. And that had incredible significance. Um, so my original plan was to use Frigate, which is a plugin into home assistant and Frigate can offload the AI work instead of having the CPU do it, have a tensor processing unit and, Coincidentally, one or two years ago, when the price dipped, I think, to $40, I'm like, eh, let me buy that. I'm going to find a use for it. I bought a USB Coral, uh, Google Coral AI accelerator. So it's a TPU, tensor processing unit, as they call it. And so I thought I would be able to pull the video of like a three by three screen with one black square because I have eight cameras, stream that as an RTSP stream, and pull that into Frigate NVR and then have the AI look at the, you know, matrix of three by three screens and look for people in cars. But the, I would always get errors in the stream. So whether it was the hardware, software, whatever, I was getting an issue. I bit the bullet. I bought a $60 NVR without a hard drive, but it'll do streaming. So it'll take my analog input and create eight RTSP streams. I did all of the YAML magic and you know configuration on that hardware device, got everything talking, and now I have something that uses all eight of my cameras and looks for people in vehicles and notifies me. And I have the uh, Home Assistant app running on my phone, so I get notification if it sees a person or a car. It's a little verbose. It's kind of like a one-year-old seeing a car for the first time that just learned the word car. So it's like, yes, child, that car's been there for three days. Don't let me know it's still there. So I, I got to do something about you know persistence and number of messages I get. 
But the next level that I want to get to is identify family members, open the garage door and turn off the alarm. And if it's at night, you know, turn on the lights in the house, that kind of stuff. So that, that kind of next level stuff. I saw a video on how to do it and I, I'm just super interested in getting that done. I, I've been busy as a mofo for like 15 different reasons. Some I'm not sharing with the public, uh, so I, I don't mean to be a jerk about it, uh, but you know some things I'm going to keep private. I'll come out with later, and just life stuff going on. Ooh, can I pimp something? Sure, sure, yeah. If you go to Patreon, uh, another channel I do. Uh, where where's my video? My video stopped, or my video is lagging incredibly bad. Okay, so if you go to Patreon.com/slash/FlyingRich and you patronize me. I will send you out, even if it's a $1 a month, I'll send you, I have a limited number of these. It's a the first Flying Rich patch uh, from a, another channel I do, a, a live stream on almost daily on YouTube. So it's also simulcast on my YouTube channel. So there's a Kamikaze Rich patch. So it's got the Rising Sun and some passenger jet. I don't know why they did a passenger jet, but that's what they did. So it says Kamikaze Rich. So I, I just, if, I know there's a lot of guys that uh, my Patreon account went dormant. So there are people that used to uh, subscribe to my Patreon. I, and look, it's not about the money. I, if you guys uh, are out there and patronized me in the past and don't want to send a dollar, that's okay. Send me your email and I'll, I'll definitely, I, I mean, email me your physical address. And if you go to flyingrich.com, there's a contact me. I'll send you a patch. So Dor, did I lose you? Nope, I'm still here. Um, okay. One link I wanted to absolutely bring up, and I was really hoping Brett would be here, but either way, I'm going to make sure he does see this link. Um, it's to a GitHub thing on line uh, 540, I believe it looks like. Um, it is a graphical um, like um, Python programmer for tr uh, trading and automation is the way that it's described. Pythonic. Hmm. P-Y-T-H-O-N-I-C. Um, this looks almost like a little bit of Node Red with a little bit of Hoogan. Uh, and for those people who oh. hear those words and don't know what they are, they're both open source alternatives. Node Red is almost like an old Yahoo Pipes type tool. And Hoogan is trying to be almost like an if this then that thing. Um, they're both like really powerful, really like targeted things. This one, though, I like the main reason I like this one is. Everything is in Python. Everything is graphical. And then what it spits out is Python code. So if you want mm. to, you can do all your development work in this and then copy all the Python code to your actual production environment. So I thought, I thought this was pretty cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I got to take a look at that also because I, I might need to do more Python. Well, I mean, I will tell you right now, still to this day, the largest infrastructures in corporate environments are based upon Python stuff it's because it's the most versatile most flexible most easy to upgrade most easy to read thing that's ever existed um basically the entirety of google is being stood up on python uh i know that's for crazy that there's a good amount of microsoft that's being stood up on python um a lot in amazon python i mean it's everywhere and it is the i think the most automatable scripting language that exists kind of thing um mm -hmm. so if you like you know you're like fresh out of school, looking to have a talent in a tech-type job, I definitely encourage people to pick up Python and learn it, partially because 
you can learn like 90% of it in like two weeks. Uh, you know, it takes a while to master, but you can learn a huge amount of it very quickly. Oh, wow. Something is incredibly wrong with my computer. I probably should have rebooted before I did the show because it hasn't pulled up the link yet. Oh, then, hmm. maybe it's a DNS thing. Do you know who you have set as your DNS? Yeah, um, Comcast and Google. Oh, I, 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 I can't stand using my um, ISP when it, it, it seems like it never works right. Oh, um, another thing I want to talk about really quick was on line 544. And the main reason I want to talk about this was because I wanted to say a public thank you to Josh, um, co-host of Android App Addicts uh, podcast. He sent me a link uh, to where I could get um, this, in air quote, completely free piece of hardware um, from a company called Helium. Have you heard of Helium, Rich? Yeah, but I forget what it was. Um, what it is, is it's basically a network where I install this hardware at my place. Anyone with a Helium account can access my node to access the internet. Um, okay. Kind of thing. And it's like completely secure on its own thing. It can't access anything else on my network. It just has internet access. And every bit that it gets used, I earn money. Like cash money. Um, oh, Stacey okay. Hig- Higabotham, uh, the IoT queen, is you know, I think what she calls herself, kind of thing. She has been into this thing for a while. Uh, she put it on her house. I want to say she lives in a more urban part of, I can't remember if it was Houston or Austin, but she lives in a more populous area. She put one of these nodes in her thing, and she said after like four months, she had $1,200 waiting to be oh. pulled in. That, that might happen in 10 years by me because more horses go by than cars in my neighborhood. Well, um, I would say what you can do is you can quite literally convince other neighbors of yours if, to try to get these devices. And then you use theirs, they use yours, and it's free money kind of thing is what I'm saying because it kind of is. What it is essentially is every time a, any data goes through it, it basically does a type of Bitcoin mining, but it's not Bitcoin. I can't remember what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And he shot me a link to where I basically filled out the thing and it's going to ship me a device in air quotes completely for free. I just got to hook it up to my mm. power and network and in air quotes, the money should be you know, just coming in. We'll have to see. Honestly, I find it interesting as hell. And so it advertises an SSID, right? So it broadcasts an SSID. Yes, uh, but I believe you have to have basically like a helium a helium account. That's the type mm-hmm. of authentication it has to connect to it. Yeah, I, just because I, I live on an, in the center of an acre and quarter piece of property, it'd probably be incredibly useless. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the end of a peninsula, is what I'll say. Uh, ah. There's like no through traffic. The only good thing I, I can say is that the houses aren't physically far from. So you know, somebody might. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'll say between me and you. Um, Josh has went like cryptocurrency crazy in the last like three, four months. Every link he sends me has something to do with some sort of cryptocurrency thing going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I want to say maybe we did have an email now that I say that out loud. Let me check. There's always emails you don't, don't see or remember. And it was an email from Joshua, uh, co-host on Android App Addicts. And I did forward this one to you uh, and Brett. It says, hi, guys, I just wanted to drop a line and let you know about a couple of projects I am working on with a couple extra pies. The first I've already completed and is a server node for pre-search. I am hosting it in my office and running it through a VPN tunneled to Vancouver 
he's in a different part of Canduadia. Uh, pre-search is a decentralized search that offloads searches to nodes. Uh, I think it is if you stake a certain amount of pre-tokens, 1,000 at the moment, but there's chatter that it will go up soon, you can earn tokens at a rate dependent on several factors. The second project, hopefully to receive the one terabyte SSD drive I need to complete today, is to create a Bitcoin Lightning node. Now, I have heard of this one before. This hopefully will sit on the Lightning network and earn extra Bitcoin by helping with transactions on the Lightning network. I still have a few pies laying around. If anyone has any other use cases that I can generate some passive income, I would love to hear from them. Keep pumping out the great shows from Josh Cheers. Um, okay, the first one, the pre-search. Essentially, you are part of a long blockchain and you perform searches. And the more that someone searches and it hits your device, the more tokens you generate. And then you can cash those tokens out. Uh, the second one, Bitcoin Lightning Node, um, it's kind of the same thing. Instead of doing the actual Bitcoin mining, you're literally helping speed up transactions because that's one of the big downfalls as well. Right. Yeah, Bitcoin, a transaction is on the order of something like 15 minutes, whereas Tusk is, I think, three minutes or less. It's Yeah. Yeah, so it's the kind of thing. They want, they want to try to figure out ways to speed it up, and they're willing to pay you at least something if you can help speed it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I, I got to look into that. Yeah, I say thank you very much for the email, Josh. Uh, we do have another email, and it looks like it was from Mike Deem. And I didn't, I don't think I actually sent this to you, Rich. But it says, hello, Dor, Rich, Brian, and I'll say Brett. Uh, hope all is going well. Forgive me if you've already covered this in a previous episode, but I was wondering what y- your thoughts were on using a mini PC as a router slash firewall. Many newer home r- routers I've seen require more cloud integration than in the past. Many of them require you to sign in with a account on the vendor's website. This is something I'm not really interested in. Perhaps you could cover this in one of your episodes, Mike D. Um, I will say I've seen the same thing. I mean, I've only bought two routers in six years kind of thing, but the last one I bought for the family network insist that it is accessible from a cloud account. Um, I'm not on it. None of my personal devices are on it. I don't do any of my um, uh, sensitive transactions on that network for that very reason. Um, I'll say when it comes to mini PCs, they're perfect to act as a router or a gateway or a firewall kind of thing. Because, I mean, you got to remember, even like 10 years ago, the routers that we had were based upon chips that 10 years before that weren't even considered to be powerful chips. They don't have a lot of RAM. They don't have a lot of anything to them. So you can get more than likely a 15 to $20 mini computer and use it as a gateway. Now, if you require lots of ports, here's where I think the trick comes in to where you have to have either many USB ports with USB to Ethernet um, sockets on them, or you need to buy something that's specifically focused to try to be like a home router. Yep. Yeah, there's, um, oh gosh, what is the router product? Um, dang, I'll, I'll think of it in two, three minutes. Yeah, I can't think of it right now. But there's a, kind of a low-end router and uh, that has a lot of professional features. So it's like a $50, $60 router. Well, and I am positive. The bad thing about uh, missing to do this show for a couple weeks means the, the number of links we have is a bit overwhelming. I know there's at least one or two links in here that I do have 
that is specifically people selling dual gigabit Ethernet um, mini boards. Um, to me, that's the beginning of you being able to take a ARM-based mini computer and turn it into a genuine router kind of thing. Um, um, you would then have to take USB to Ethernet to get more than just the two ports. Or And um, you can go to, oh, I'm trying to remember, PFSense. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, PFSense. PFSense. But uh, PFSense only runs on an Intel board. So you could use something like this rock pie and drop another you know usb to ethernet there's usb c on this i'm sorry usb 3 or you could use something like the atomic pie uh so pfsense doesn't run on arm i don't know if there it's been forked and there's a version that'll do that but uh you need an intel uh to do that yeah there is an arm version to it but it's not a official arm version uh what i will say is if you do you can literally go to, I want to say it's pfsense.org, um, buy now, click on products, and they have lower priced things available for yeah. consumers is what I'll say. Yeah, they'll sell you an ARM version. Uh, they, they have that hardware there. It almost looks like a Raspberry Pi. Uh, Microtix is what I was thinking of earlier. So there's gotcha. uh, a small Microtix router, and it has a bunch of ports. So if you want to set up VLANs or something like that, I... I, I agree with the concept, but my paradigm is pretty much everything stays on my network. So I have an instance of Spaghetti Detective running on my network, and it's you know hosted locally. I don't use the subscription version. And for those of you that do 3D printing, it's a plug-in into Octopi that runs on your Raspberry Pi. And it uses the camera, the webcam that's attached to Octopi, Octoprint, and it looks if there's any malfunctions. It uses AI, uh, locally based, to detect malfunctions. Now, you could do it subscription-based. I don't because of what I print. And if you guys don't know what that is, go to my Instagram feed. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, One tool I wanted to bring up, and I wanted to bring up because when I did show it to other people, at least two of them said... um, that they have heard of it and they do believe it was really a good tool. Um, we've for a while have had um, to do imaging etcher and then etcher was bought out by Bellina or whatever. Bellina, and, yeah. uh, if you get the wrong version of it, there's like embedded ads into it, which is a nuisance mm-hmm. that I can't stand. Uh, so Ventoy, V-E-N-T-O-Y, uh, supposedly Windows, Mac, Linux works on all of them. Um and uh, like three people who pinged me back when I posted this said it works as good as uh, Etcher, if not better kind of thing. And it just works kind of thing. So if you want another choice out there in uh, creating your bootable images, uh, definitely check out Ventoy, V-E-N-T-O-Y. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like choice. And also, I do think the other thing this thing lets you do, and I'm trying to remember correctly, I'm 99% sure this was also the kind of tool you could literally dump a whole bunch of uh, ISO files onto a USB drive with Ventoy on it, boot to that, and then just select an ISO file, and it can like interactively boot to different environments. You don't have to keep reflashing over and over. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I heard that, and I was like, that's a kind of feature that definitely uh, can be easy to use, because then you don't have to worry about where is my USB with blah, blah, blah on it. I just have my one tool. Um, also, um, there's another, okay, 
Uh, Windows 11 is coming, and it seems like it's a pointless upgrade just to, I don't know, try to re- re- search for more cash and right. uh, force you into higher hardware. Well, the experts I listen to say all that higher hardware stuff, they're going to pull back at the last second to show, look how good of a guy we are. Because Oh, it's like, I'm going to chop your arm off. It's like, oh, I'm only going to take your hand. Well, and it turns out there is nothing that's in Windows 11 that isn't available as an optional thing in Windows 10. Right. What's the security module? The, is it TP something? TPU? Yeah. TPM. Trusted, trusted TPM partner uh, module. Trusted privacy module, I think? Something like that. Trusted something module. Yeah, so it's just... Uh, I, I just... In industry, we've had it for a while. Uh, you know, in data centers, and we don't use it there either. Um, it's it's kind of annoying that they're forcing that on the public. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I will say, if you want to use Windows 10 or 11 on a Raspberry Pi, not the IoT version or the headless version, whatever that was called, I can't remember. Um, they actually now have it available to where you can. Use a tool called WOR Windows on Raspberry, I believe it is the basic for, and it's the WOR mm-hmm. Flasher. Um, it's available to download oh, cool. there on GitHub. Uh, it isn't hard. It isn't complicated. Um, of course, they encourage you to have a Pi with more RAM. You know what I mean? Not a two gig. If you can get an eight gig Pi, even better kind of thing. Uh, but and I watched a couple of videos. I'm genuinely shocked at how. It runs. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't going to. It isn't going to compare with even a used, you know, laptop kind of thing. But I was genuinely impressed at how it seemed like it ran pretty good. So yeah, W O R Flasher. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I mean, good to have competition and an alternative. I've been using Blaine Etcher, and I've seen ads pop up and whatever, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. And if you insist on having a Windows environment, even for just some sort of testing purpose, or hypothetically, you need to access something and it requires you to install a Windows executable and you really don't want to install full-blown Windows, there is, my humble opinion, no easier way to, in air quotes, swap out hard drives than quite simply have a micro SD card formatted with this WOR flasher on it and just reboot your Raspberry Pi to that SD card load up windows do what you need to do and then you know turn it back off yeah i that's that's what i love about the raspberry pi is it it gives you the feeling of you know rapidly changeable disposable um you can actually pxe boot uh, a raspberry pi and so you could set that that up um so that you could have um why am i losing all of my phrases like the pxe boot uh what do you call that there's a couple other helper technologies that go along with it. So you could select what you want to boot onto it, which I wanted to do when I was away from home, but since COVID I've been home. And now that I have a um, ESXi Raspberry Pi cluster, I can just spin up VMs on it, which aren't exactly easy, but it's available. Gotcha. And I'm just going through the GitHub Hugen page, and there's a Docker installation for it. So I may give that a spin again. Yeah, Hugen and um, Node Red were the two things I had a lot of fun playing with. I just had a really hard time figuring out a use case for them, at least in my network. At work, I could definitely see use cases for it, but um, that's because at work, 
I never want to rely on a human being to do anything. Um, like my goal is I could die, not show up to work ever again. And everything that I did will remain perfectly functional until somebody manually goes and turns it off. Oh, very cool. So speaking of turning things off, um, you know, Facebook went, went down for a couple hours the other day. And I have a friend that's a former employee at Facebook. He says, yeah, when stuff like that happens. First off, do you know how much money they lost while they were down? Way more than I'm ever going to make in my entire life because it was six hours. So I'm sure it was... Apparently $7 billion. So what do you think happened to the guy that made him go down? Oh, well, the extended report basically said that um, he was supposed to run a script that was going to test the... uh, backbones um uh um oh man what's the word he, he was basically supposed to run a script that was supposed to test the like backbone strength of the network before applying updates and he like made a boo-boo yeah so do you know what happened to the guy oh uh, more than likely nothing he probably still has a job and he's probably still there because you know wasn't even talked to yes yeah, yeah of course not this is 2021 of course not Ooh. So you, you cause a company to lose $7 billion. And I, I mean, that's just, that's a crazy corporate culture that they say, hey, humans make mistakes. We didn't have the AI, you know, prevent it. And we'll know better next time. And we need to have more redundancy. And the, these are funding problems. And we'll, we'll be better in the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. Um, um, Charles in the notes mentions uh, Pi KVM. I'm not going to lie. If I would have heard that like two or three weeks ago, I would have been like a Pi KVM. What are you talking about? A Pi KVM. But I, I know what he's talking about. Surprise, surprise. Um, I watched a video and then I linked to a blog in the notes. Jeff Gearling, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Really, I'll say this, really sharp guy, really loves his tech, um, tries to oh, have yeah. fun while doing it. And he did a really good video comparing two high kvms um with help from his dad who's been like you know into this stuff for a while kind of thing so what it essentially is i don't think of it as a kvm what i think of it is it's a roll your own um oh lipo is it called um lights out ilo you know integrated lights out or pxc right to where you can basically hook this up to a computer or a remote computer remote far away you can if the computer's completely turned off, you can turn the computer on. You can go into the BIOS. You can check all the settings. It's a remote virtual keyboard and mouse and video display. Um, and the two s- solutions that Jeff looked at, one of them is called Tiny Pilot Voyager. It looks like a professional product. It looks like a very professional product. $350. Um, and then he has Pi KVM, which looks like something I would have, kind of thing, where you have to 3D print a case for it kind of thing. But he admitted the Pi K- KVM was much, much more flexible um, in what you can do with it. But he said if you, you know, if you just need a plug-and-play, drop-in plug-and-play solution, the Tiny Pilot Voyager was an absolutely great solution, kind of thing. So the idea of a Pi KVM, just think of it as you have very long keyboard and a very long mouse and a very long monitor cord to a remote computer where you can go into the BIOS, you can reboot it, you can turn on and off kind of thing, and you'd never lose your connection because you're connected to the Pi itself. Yeah, and uh, so this is in HP, it's ILO, and Dell, it's iDRAC, and this is what they call pre-execution environments. And in a data center, they'll have, 
you know, ILO is integrated lights out. And what that means is I've actually been to data centers. There's no people in them and the lights are literally out. And um, so you from anywhere on the planet where you have connection to that network they, that the ILO is on, you can reboot the machine, you can shut it down, you can start it up, you can you know, reconfigure the BIOS and not even be in the same state or country. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Brian um, used the right word in the chat. It was a B BGP Air Border Gateway Patrol um, a protocol, Border Gateway Protocol. And the way I think of Border Gateway Protocol is, you know, you have your phone book of IP addresses, which is DNS. Well, this is like the bookshelf holding the phone book. If you don't have this basic, like, core-to-core -core connections being made via the Border Gateway Protocol, nothing else will work. Um, I believe using BGP, that's how countries are able to take their entire country off the network because they have border, they have routers running these border gateway protocols. And, and that's how they can say everything is, you know, Twitter is no longer accessible. Uh, Facebook is no longer accessible. These sites are no longer accessible. They're now blacklisted mm -hmm. by using BGP. Yep. But yeah. Again, I don't think I have a use case where I would ever need a Pi KVM um, because so I would. If you had a vacation home and you had home automation assistant running on it, that, that would be a good case. Well, I, the one thing I saw, and I, want, I don't want to say it's a better or cheaper or anything solution. Um, there are um, power strips, aka intelligent power strips that only cost around 50, 60 bucks to where With they have their web own server in address. It. Yeah, they have their own little operating system on it. And basically what you can do is you can remotely connect to them and say, power cycle this, power mm -hmm. cycle that. Um, to me, I think that would be good enough for my type of solution. Um, and I would, because to me to have a, Pi KVM, I'd be connected to a Pi anyway. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I I think there is a use case. I don't think it's a big one. Yeah, but I definitely think it's cool. And if you haven't checked out Jeff Gearling on YouTube, I definitely... Yeah, Jeff's got a lot of great content, and I'm jealous as hell. He's very successful in what he does. He is. And um, he's the guy who introduced me to some of the stuff with the Starlink um satellite dish and how all that works so i was like hey, when he decides to go deep into something he definitely goes all the way yeah i i guess the first time i saw him was the pi dramble uh so he had um he's doing uh docker on the raspberry pi on a raspberry pi cluster so really really good information there so definitely check his site out you're going to find a whole bunch of videos uh that are really really packed with a lot of information and from good information and how to do it also. Yeah, and the thing I like about him is he puts the time into it because everything he does in a video, it seems like he also documents and then he has oh, GitHub yeah. pages to where not only can you go look at the code that he was doing, you can contribute to it, you can fork it, you can help him out with it, or you can just take it and use it yourself. Yeah, now this one, I'm not going to lie, Rich, it confuses me just a touch. Um, I'm going to ask you to take a look at 557, um, I believe is the link in the notes, and it's entitled, Fujitsu Introduces Wire Pass, W-I-R-E-P-A-S, Wire Pass, Massive USB Dongle for Location Tracking IoT Mesh Networking. I think the word massive is thrown in there, and it might mean something else besides what we think of when we hear the word massive. Um this is what I like gather from it. This is what I like crack from it. Um, 
what this is, it's a USB-A dongle. You can plug in to any type of device or even into like a power outlet. It doesn't matter. And it is its own little IoT computer that will seamlessly connect with other things using the same wire pass technology. So hypothetically, mm -hmm. I could connect, you know, these in my house in different places all around the house. Now, if it's in a computer, I do think there are things that it can do, is what I'm going to say, if I'm not mistaken. But it's also just used for, like, secondary background IoT network, a.k.a. I don't like the idea of my IoT network going on my same network as every other device I have. So that's what it sounds to me like. Like, this can take it and put it on its own isolated um network where iot should not need massive amounts of bandwidth or anything um so that's what i think this is using it's using a npx i.mx8m nano processor and it is running linux and it literally is the size of your normal usb like um mouse dongle size kind of thing in super tiny but yeah, I did watch the video underneath it. And that's what it seems like this is doing. This is doing really nothing more than just links in a chain of communication. You're going to need your own like server in order to do all the actual manipulation and controlling and everything of the things on the network. But this is strictly just for like the communication happen. So it's not happening over Ethernet. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on this one. I'm going to keep trying to look more up about this and get some like in air quote real world examples to see if I can actually understand how this is better. I personally think if it's using its own thing and if it's off your ethernet network, it would make it much easier for the layman to just take these home, plug them up to things um, and have it in air quotes, just work. Yeah. I'd have to understand more about it. Very cool. Um, so we definitely talked about, I'll say more things than I thought we were going to talk about, Rich. Is there any other things you wanted to uh, cover? Uh, let's see. Let's take a look at 552. I'm always a sucker for a cheap Intel single board computer. So it's more Intel Atom. It's an X5 Z8, whoop, Z8 530. Um, it says being discounted with Unison, Unisound, sorry, Unisound T72 mini PC selling for Eighty-eight ninety, including shipping. Uh, let's see, blah blah blah. And it, all right. So it wasn't as good as I thought. Okay, because it says follows last month's Adam whatever single board computer sold for fifty to sixty-four dollars. So there's there's some cheap Adam uh, computers out there if you find a need for them. Maybe running Plex. Um, so yeah, I. I was thinking, and I don't know if I have the time to do this, but I was going to try running Plex on a bunch of different computers and see how it works. You know, everything from the high end that I have as the uh, up squared to something like maybe the Rock Pi here and see how Plex performs on that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, th this was the board I think I think I thought when I posted to your chat, to our chat, you immediately like shot it down and was like, um, Oh, that, that's because it was high-priced without a whole, whole bunch of features, I think. Well, and it's an Atom processor that is, I want to say, at least one generation old, if not two generation old. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's 88 bucks. You know, to me, this is the perfect kind of computing device to put, like, a, um, a Chrome OS-type operating system mm -hmm. on it and give a it Chromebox. to uh, either a child or... Or an old like, person. 
a senior citizen kind of thing to have their basic and air quote computing device. Um, because realistically, all they're going to do is like either watch YouTube or do some basic, you know, things on it and nothing advanced. Or if you really just need a small, quiet, dedicated streaming device that has the, fl- the flexibility of an x86 computer. Um, 88 bucks isn't a horrible price, but yes, you do not get a lot of power out of it. Um, it two gigs of RAM, that's the one thing I was like, wow, really? Only two gigs of RAM? I thought it would Okay, yeah, that's, have that's what I was trashing. Yeah, and then Brian in our chat made another very good point. 32 gigs of RAM, basically you cannot install Windows on this. Well, technically you can, but updates will stop working very mm-hmm. shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my experience, you have to have at least a 48, if not more, internal storage with a Windows device in order to have updates to keep working more than just a couple months. And in fact, I would say probably 128 gig just to be safe. Yeah, all right. So rolling back 2 gig, I wouldn't I wouldn't be buying Intel at 2 gig for anything uh, unless it was something this size. And even then, I'd probably think about it. Because realistically, your, your Raspberry Pis come in 2, 4, and 8 gig now. And I'm sure on Pi Day, there's going to be a Raspberry Pi 5 that's probably going to kick all of the others' arses. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe you're not going to be able to buy a 2 gig version much longer. I think they're going probably to discontinue not. it. Well, didn't you get one box that had 16 on it? Um, I want to say it had a space on it where it could have had 16 circled to say this is the 16 yeah. gig version, but it, it was Okay, one more like security-related thing is what I'm going to say. Um, UDO, I want to say, is how this is pronounced. U, uh, U-D-O-O, UDO, line 559. Um, I'm a huge fan of YubiKey. Um, type solutions. I'm a huge fan of hardware dongles or hardware tokens in order to be one factor of security. Um, but I like open source versions of that a little bit better, even if they don't look pretty at all. Like this doesn't look, I mean, it's basically a, a raw circuit board. Um, articles over there on CNX and it says, you do, I believe it is, key. ESP32 plus an RP2040 board launches for $4 on crowdfunding. Again, I try not Sweet. to bring up crowdfunding things because I don't know if they're going to be real. I don't know if they're going to take people's money, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, actually, they've had success in the past, if I'm not mistaken, Udo launching things. And it basically has uh, the Raspberry Pi microcontroller with an ESP32 like baked together with a USB-C type port. Um, so it's basically like programmable and reprogrammable in order to do your um, type of um, things, what I want to say. I just think this is cool. I like to see what kind of uh, p- uh, things people can dream up to put on this thing software-wise to make it do things. Yeah, and I will say even Raspberry Pi Foundation said that they were having chips shortages even though they shipped like the most, they had their busiest month ever this year. I want to say it was 800,000 oh, wow. boards. Um, like every, killing it. everything they're running short on. But now they're also getting old Raspberry Pi boards sent back to them and they're recycling them so they can have more um, hardware for their new boards kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'll make sure that links in the notes too about them doing that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um. I mean, you know, the people behind Raspberry Pi, I'm not going to say I'm even a fan of them per se. I am a fan of the community uh, and what they've enabled, you know, 
small town makers to do. Because if it wasn't for them, you know, yeah, it's, we would, you know, the, the Pi 4 with 8 gigs of RAM is USB-C is, uh, you know, a big deal. That, that's that's really a big step in the right direction. And if they keep making steps like that and keep the cost down, I'm I'm crazy. I'm like, I'm crazy about this stuff. So I'm, I think I probably have more Raspberry Pi 4s than other than Pi 0s, you know, but you know, let, let's let's not count that. But I probably have more Pi 4s than any other version of the Raspberry Pi, and I'm very happy with all of them. Very cool. Okay, Rich, um, I can't think of anything more to do. Um, is there any um, last-second things? Nah, I, I'm going to call it quits here. Okay, um, can I ask, what's the easiest, simplest way for people to uh, catch up with you? Yeah, my website that needs a horrible PHP update so I can run fresh code on it. It's flyingrich.com. So the only useful thing there is the contact me. So if you want to send me a note or go to my YouTube channel or Instagram. So YouTube, it's youtube.com slash flyingrich. And Instagram is flyingrich underscore official. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I definitely want to thank uh, Red Charles and Brian for coming out to the live chat again. If you want to join us for the live chat, you can either follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, or you can just send me an email saying, send me an email when you guys go live. And I will try my best to remember to send everyone emails. Um, again, it's super easy to uh, support us on Patreon. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash the mini PC show. I want to thank again, um, Josh and Mike for the email. Can't find it now. Uh, I thank everyone who sends in emails. And again, that's easy mini PC at podnuts.com. Uh, definitely going to have some more fun here. Uh, I definitely thank everyone for their support. Thank everyone for coming out. Thanking everyone to communicate with us and just have fun. Uh, I will talk to everyone again real soon. I'll, and I'll talk to you too, Rich. Take it easy, man. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is everyday tech for everyday people. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think.